Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. On the subject of escape rooms, now if you think a nice way of spending your Saturday is getting trapped in a room that smells of stale semen, well, one, quite clearly you've never been to a gay sauna, and two, you probably don't have enough trauma in your life, because since when was being locked in a room an enjoyable experience? I'll tell you what, those people who are running these things, they're having you on. It's money for old rope. Listen, come round mine, I'll shove you in the airing cupboard with a game of guess who, and I'll charge you a tenner if you're that fussed. Take it from me, if someone ever tells you they're into escape rooms, you must do exactly that. Escape the room, because chances are, they're very boring. Welcome back, weirdos. This is After the Tone. I am Scotty, and those you can't hear are the ATT crew. And over the next 40-ish minutes, we'll hear the thoughts and ideas of folk who have left messages for me, for us, on the ATT burner phone. I've got no idea what they're about to say, so I can't promise it'll be entertaining. But, I mean, it does pass the time. This week, a packed show, apparently, with empanadas, celeb gossip, and blue Peter badges. But before that, next week is the end of season eight show slash party. And attentive listeners will know it's going to be my birthday. I'm going to be 37. It's quite triggering. I wouldn't like any more questions on it, please. And I've been asking you for weeks now for birthday-related content for it. And has one of you called up to do so? Have you? Fuck. Okay. So the number is in the description box. You know what to do, please. Pull your fucking finger out. Also, if you listen to us on Spotify, did you know you could give us a star rating? And if you listen to us on Apple, did you know you could give us a review too? Um, Those interactions, they genuinely make a massive difference to us and the algorithm and who gets to hear us. So if you could consider doing that for us, that would be lovely. Thank you very much.
Also, BBC Sounds listeners, remember to hit that subscribe button because it genuinely makes a massive difference to us. Go on, press it, please. Be kind. Right, that's enough from the notice board. Debbie's back this week, aren't you? Oh, yeah, you're back. Decided to come back, did you? Yeah, looking pleased with yourself, you fucking lazy bitch. Back time to do some fucking work. Anyway, you might remember she's been away, is not she? She's been around Ireland. Well, two minutes in the door, she's already telling jokes about the immersion and she's just showed me she's got a fucking Mr. Tater tattoo. Listen, I turned me back for two minutes and she turns into a right fucking plastic paddy. Hello, Scotty, uh, Tim, Katmeyer and Deb, everyone in the pub. Long time lurker, first time caller. I actually decided to do my first call today because I've, I've always struggled sleeping and I found podcasts really help me sleep. Recently, I've been listening to a lot of After the Tone to get me to sleep. So I then had a dream last night where I met you by a post box for some reason and you told me that this episode was going to be the last one ever. So I guess I took that as a sign from a deity I don't believe in to do my first call today. Other than that, just big fan of the warm hug that this podcast is. And actually we met over Fringe. You came into my place of work to see a show and I said, oh, my God, you're Scotty. And you said, yes, I'm sorry, which I thought was adorable. And you gave me an autograph, which was very nice. You're also taller in person than I expected. Anyway, um, I'm just about to leave for work at said venue. So, bye. Hope you have a lovely day. OK, so I also completely forgot to mention my tenuous celebrity experience. Um... As you maybe can hear, I am on the toilet at my place of work. But basically, at my previous place of work, we served David O'Doherty uh, and his family some brunch, and they didn't tip. He didn't tip. So, having seen him over Fringe as well, I've been giving him stink eye from across the room and been telling all of my colleagues that David O'Doherty doesn't tip. So, heads up. If you ever see him. Thanks and bye. I love everything that you do. Many thanks. Bye-bye. Oh, hello. Well done. Long-term lurker. First-time caller badge. That's Well, I tell you what, we've never given one of those out. There you go, long-term lurker. Now, here we go. I've got lots to say here. First off, if you're listening to this podcast because you're trying to get to sleep, I mean, there are others. <laughs> there, are, there are better things that you could listen to rather than trauma and shit stories, which, you know, I, I hate to break it down. I hate to boil us down as just being that. But I mean, come on, call it what it is. Now, yes, you do say you're a big fan of me, and I just want to—I just want to kind of put this story into context because I do remember meeting you, and I always do feel like when I meet people in real life, I have to apologise because the aforementioned shit stories and trauma. Now, you've made this sound like I came up to you and was like, "Yes, that's me. Would you like my autograph?" That is not how this worked. Actually, you said, please, I'm collecting autographs. And I think I wrote down, as I always write down for people when they ask me for an autograph, because I do find it a very bizarre thing, because I'm a bit like, do you know I'm just like a normal fat cunt? <laughs> so I always write, always a pleasure, always a chore. Uh, <laughs> so let's just put that straight now. Okay, fine. Also, what do you mean you're calling up with your tenuous celeb experience? You just told them one. I'm a tenuous celeb experience. <laughs> Now, I can't fucking remember who this David Doherty is, so I'm going to have to Google her. Right, here we go. David's... David's... 
old Doherty. Doherty, there we go. I'm terrible for knowing names. You know, oh, that fella, God, always looks like he needs a bath. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to give that one a good wash. Now, look, I hate to do this, but we have to find out which home county David Doherty is from. Oh, he's a dub. There you go. There you go. Listen, I know they'll be up complaining. Listen, Irish people aren't known for being the most generous people. <laughs> yes, I'm saying Irish people are quite tight. <laughs> Well, it sort of depends. There's always this sort of dance about who's going to pay. Um, plastic paddies, oh my God. Me and her in the corner, we often have a fucking... Well, don't we? We'll have an argument for about 45 minutes who's going to pay for a coffee by the time the coffees have gone cold. Yeah, honestly. But yeah, you know, there can be the slight... It depends. Posh Irish people, I guess, is what I'm getting to. If they're like born in the, the postcode of D4 in Dublin, often the reason why my mum will always say the reason why those people have got money is because the tight. <laughs> Is this slander? Am I going to get this? Is this litigious? Can we run this past the lawyers, please, first? Am I saying David Doherty is tight? Anyway, I don't know. I wasn't there. Can't clarify that this experience actually happened. Oh, just got a text message. Oh, it's fucking Duolingo. Do you want to practice Spanish? No, I don't. I'm fucking doing a podcast, you fucking arsehole. Anyway, lovely to have you on the toilet. <laughs> and I'm glad that we're giving you some, like, sleep respite. Who knew? Hi, everybody. Um... This is Karis calling from Salford. I've called up a bunch of times. Um, but this particular message is in response to a message I left on an Instagram post where Scotty put up a picture of their shoes from the last drag performance and was asking about possessions, white and ones that have been kept and what they mean to you. And I responded that some of my prized possessions are my Blue Peter badges, which have complicated emotional feelings for me well badges don't have feelings but you know what I mean um so one badge I got for entering a competition so it's the circular white badge with the blue ship and the top 500 people in the competition got the circular badge and the 40th edition gold medallion this was in 1998 and I remember feeling gutted that by the time the 50th anniversary medallion came out I would have aged out of the process and I remember being really disappointed at one point that I would be too old for blue peter badges um which wow that's unlocked a memory <laughs> um and the other badge the the sort of the traditional like shield shaped one it was a white one with a blue blue ship on it I got for doing a fundraising event so I did a charity fundraise at I must have been 10 years old and I swam two miles in a public swimming pool for charity and I just swam it non-stop like I was a I was a swimming child it wasn't just some weird torture like swimming was my thing when I was a kid and I decided to do two miles sponsored swimming which in a 25 meter pool is 128 lengths um and I remember my dad sat on the bleachers with a little tally book, like knocking off every single one. It probably took me quite a while because the pool wasn't closed. I had to like dodge around the other Saturday swimmers. But yeah, I got a Blue Peter badge for that. So they were they were prized possessions of mine because I was a dorky kid who would always write to Blue Peter instead of like other celebrities when it would be a school project. And I'd watch it every Monday, Wednesday and Friday when it was still on BBC One just before news round. And then I sort of moved into my teenage years and tried to distance myself from a sort of nerdy, do-good kid. Um, 
I still became like a nerdy teenager, but just tried to separate myself from that. And I thought in one of my strops of, I'm too cool for this, I had um, thrown them away. And then as I got older and you sort of look back on your life, your achievements and what brought you joy and, and things and physical things can be so tangible connections to the past. It's so interesting. And I remember thinking like, oh, I wish I had them. I wish I had them. And I asked my mum if they were somewhere at her house because I moved out and didn't bring them with me. And she couldn't find them for years. And then one day they just turned up. Yeah. Thanks, Scotty. I really enjoyed that question. Lovely Karis, um, over the way there in Salford, not a million miles away. Yes, we do like to have a little chat over on the Instagram on a Monday. Usually I do a bit of a takeover at After the Tone POD. And I love that this post stirred this conversation. Now, first off, mind blown, there's more than one badge. What? What? There's more than one badge? Oh my God, they love elitism over there. Like Blue Peter was sort of like slightly posh telly. I mean, I knew I had notions from a young age because most of the kids in my estate were watching CITV on the other side. Do you know what I mean? I'd only flip over to CITV when I wanted to watch Art Attack because I had, had a bit of a thing for Neil Buchanan, um, but also quite creative. Look at me, ends up being an artist. Thank you very much, Neil Buchanan. I, I put in all my art and inspirations, aspirations, insp- one of those, onto Neil Buchanan. Um, in a lovely red sweater. Oh God, what a heartthrob. Now, I used to do bring and buy sales. I used to do those at the school. And this really unlocked <laughs> a memory for me. Our bring and buy sales were actually quite shit. <laughs> I think like, when you haven't got much shit and you are trying to raise money for other people who've got less shit than you, the shit that you're trying to sell are the kids. It's a false economy, really. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So no wonder why we didn't win any of those bring and buy badges because we weren't raising thousands of pounds like the other schools up the road um it got me thinking though when I was a kid <laughs> like you know this like the sense of you doing swimming about our sort of do-goodingness from a young age I wrote to John Major the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom of the time and I wrote to him about smoking and I thought he should ban smoking altogether do you know what I mean? Not just a little bit, just all together. And I got a letter back from one of his aides to be like, we'll consider it. <laughs> the absolute notions out of me as a youngster. I'm going to write to the Prime Minister and I'm going to give him a bit of my mind. <laughs> Clearly I had no idea about like political parties or how that system worked or anything. I just thought you could write and suggest something and they'd be like, oh, that's quite a good idea actually. We hadn't thought about that one. Um, I, I do have a couple of these like little memories. I, I rarely hold on to things in that sort of sentimental value. I've got a, a box to the side of me. It's probably the size of a shoebox, which is, contains just like a few things like my granddad's um, bus pass, bless him, for when he passed away and the things that he kept within it. Just because, you know, little keepsakes like that or the keys to my nan and granddad's door. And one of these things is I've got my school shirt from primary school. And I recently, when I was like, you know, moving house and getting things together, I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, this would be interesting to look at. Don't anybody feel if you were ever the outsider kid never feel like you need to do that because what was so interesting was I I thought in my head I was like god there's going to be loads of things on it there's not there's about five kids that were willing to sign my shirt and it just like deepens that idea that you know you being different and now I think I'm holding on to that as a relic of difference I think that there would be a stage in my life where that would have hurt but now I just think well, fuck it. Look at me. <laughs> I've got loads of friends. I'm pointing at you lot. <laughs> friends. Oh, if only.
Hi, Scotty, Tim, Kat, Maya, producer Deb and the pub. I hope you're all well. It's Alice here. I've called before and I cannot remember what name I was bestowed with, but I am calling from Nam slash Melbourne. A little tale of things with peanut butter. Um, my mum came down from the country the other day. She's staying over. She gets up in the morning and, you know, I get everything out for breakfast. We're having toast and I get the peanut butter out and the Vegemite out and then honey and marmalade lovely ginger marmalade with malt whiskey and mum will always have peanut butter and honey if it's on offer but she doesn't have her glasses on so she's sitting on down with me eating breakfast takes one bite and goes ah fuck and uh yeah she had um peanut butter uh ginger and malt whiskey marmalade on her breakfast last sunday and i think it was by all accounts quite nice actually anyway Lots of love to the pub and um, thank you and happy second birthday. Narin, uh, sorry, that's not your name. <laughs> I got very excited. Alice from Narin slash Melbourne there. Do you know what? I'll tell you what, let's have it out about Melbourne. Melbourne wasn't what I wanted it to be, actually. I found it quite boring. Controversial opinion. I'm going to give it six out of ten. Do you know why? Because we are sold, particularly in the UK, this idea that uh, Australasia is all sun, sea, sand and home and away. Okay? And Melbourne is just a city. And the sea is quite far away in St Kilda. And there's a fucking massive theme park in the fucking way and a whole bunch of cake shops. I haven't got a complaint about those, actually. Um, but it's, Melbourne just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Too big, not enough, like, fit people with the clothes off. <laughs> what Essentially what I'm saying was it wasn't Sydney, okay? It wasn't Sydney. <laughs> They'll be complaining. Now... That breakfast sounds very confusing. Too many condiments, actually. Too many things there. Too many choices. I think you should give people a limited choice. It's this, that, or the other. Not this, that, the other, the other thing. There's that version of it. Do you know what I mean? It just creates confusion. Didn't tell us about the bread as well. The vessel for which, and which I think is far more important sometimes than the condiment itself. Peanut butter and honey. Not sure I agree. Hola Scotty, hola después del todo, hola a todos. Hello everyone, it's Tito here. I'm all on board for a After the Tone cooking show. I mean, I would love to give my recipe for um, chili and empanadas. Empanadas de pino, empanadas de queso, empanadas de marisco. And I can even do some empanadas dulce. Sweet ones. Uh, just to let you know, empanadas, it's... Um, in most Hispanic and Latin countries, I'm not sure if Brazil or Portugal do them. If they do, please correct me. But it's it's like our version of a pasty, you know, a filled pastry. And uh, each country has their own flavours. Spain has a delicious tuna one, which I think is absolutely delicious. Uh, Argentina has them as well. Chile, everywhere. Just it's the it's the flavours and the filling that differentiates them <laughs> from different countries. But yeah, I'd totally be on board for that. And, um, oh, response to Jess. Um, I'm not going to act you for expressing your dislike of autumn. Personally, for me, autumn, it's the it's the time of year where things start to cool down. You begin to be a bit more comfortable. I kind of like the chaotic nature of the weather. It's nice. I love the colours. I love the sunsets and the sunrise at this time of year. There's just a nice warm feeling and the food that you eat is more filling and it just it makes me feel nice and cosy. I'll turn my question back to the pub. What the fuck 
is up with liking summer. Summer is not pleasant. I don't cope with the heat at all. This heat wave made me feel ill, literally. I was sweating buckets. I was so uncomfortable. The, the heat rash that I got, it, the sweating exacerbates the chub rub. It's just, it's just not pleasant. Summer kills me. To be honest, anything above 8 degrees I'm uncomfortable with, I can operate safely down to 5 Five degrees is my optimal, because I can wrap up sufficiently and not feel like I'm about to sweat my heart out. I am a Chilean boy who hates the heat. <laughs> I'm a disappointment to my ethnic stereotype. And uh, to Maria Carolina, um, I fully understand the whole name thing, because even though I introduced myself as teacher... Ticho is a nickname. My actual name is Patricio. But it's not easy for English speakers to pronounce. Bye, everyone. Take care. Buenas, Patricio. Oh, God, I really want to be able to say these names in, like, the most beautiful way and really, like, give you the respect you deserve. But my mouth is failing me. <laughs> First time I've said that. <laughs> Buenas Um It's lovely to have this conversation because I think I've got some knowledge that might blow everybody's mind about it. Um, my favourite is the empanada atún con tarmas, the uh, Spanish tomato tuna with... T- uh, it's People, listen, I know people be like, excuse me, tuna in a pasty. I know you don't get it in the Greggs's, but it's, before you knock it, you've got to try it, okay? Don't be ignorant, okay? Now, in my brain, there is something that is telling me that the empanada or the empanadilla is like a colonial food which has its origins in the Cornish pasty. <laughs> now, I'm not laughing at it being colonial food. I'm laughing at it being that all of this beautiful, like, because uh, a lot of South American countries, and also a, a lot of Spain is very proud of the empanada or the empanadilla. Very proud. And then the moment where you're like, yeah, I think it's from Cornwall, <laughs> people are like, no. So we're going to look this up. We're going to search it up to make sure. Empanadilla history. So I found a Reddit. So, you know, FYI is what I'm saying there. This is a bunch of people on the internet who think they know better than everybody else. Now, somebody here was saying that the pasties date back to at least the 1200s. Um, whereas the empanadas originate in Spain as early as the 1500s. So there's a sort of discrepancy about whether the empanada is being influenced by the Cornish pasty through colonialism or whether the empanada came back through colonialism and the Cornish pasty came. And then some people go on and say, well, actually, if you really want to go into it, it's like um, dim sum. It's like the Chinese dumpling was before, way before that, which was essentially like a pastry mix with something encased. I mean, I find it interesting, but not that interesting. But I knew there was something in my brain that related the empanada back to Cornwall. <laughs> so I thought I'd bring that up because I think that's quite interesting, isn't it? Imagine if we started a campaign on this podcast to rename Cornwall the empanada. <laughs> Ah, let's do that just to piss off some Tories. 
<laughs> now you're right. The weather is softening, and that can be better on the old calf, thigh, leg situation. And maybe listeners who are of a fat body are listening, and they want to contribute to this conversation we're having about the seasons changing. There is something I want to put on the end of this message. And I think um, I really love you reaching out to Maria Carolina's call from last week about Maria's uh, Carolina's name. And Ticho, the same goes to you and anybody else. It's just a sort of something I want to put on the notice board. That if you are known in your life by a name that you don't want to be known by, if you've had to shorten your name for the English-speaking mouth, please do feel like you can have your actual name, the name that you want in this space. And I will try my very best to try and get that out of my mouth hole. (laughs) In all honesty, I guess what I'm sort of saying is I don't want to replicate any squashed identities here. And I think that's really important in the same way that we're sort of mindful about people's genders and uh, non-gender identity. I think it's really important that we try to give people the names that they deserve, that they want, that makes them feel like who they are. Hello Scotty and everyone, it's Bronwyn here. I wanted to talk about being fat and doing exercise and medical appointments. So I'm fat, I am okay with being fat, it's been a journey to get here but now I am here. I like exercising and I do it because it makes me feel good, I feel healthy when I do it but I don't do it to lose weight. I, a couple of years ago, was walking in the Pentland Hills near Edinburgh, where I live nearby, and um, I broke my ankle, and now I still have quite a bit of pain in my ankle, and I haven't been able to do running since it happened, and I really want to go back to do running because I enjoyed it. I was never a fast runner. I could do a 5K, and I was quite happy doing that a couple of times a week. It was great for my mental health, etc., So I've got an appointment with the physio and there's a form to fill in. And on the form, it says, um, what would you like? What do you hope to get from this appointment? And I'm like, I'd like to be able to run again without being worried that I'm going to injure myself. Like, I understand that I might have some pain afterwards, but I just don't want to be worried that it's going to I'm going to end up injuring myself. And the next bit on the form is to put your weight. And I'm like, do I? Why? Because. I don't want them telling me to lose weight because I don't want to go back to where I was with disordered eating and stuff. I get that maybe being lighter might make it easier on my ankle, but I was this weight when I broke it and used to do running, and I'm this weight now. So do I fill in the weight bit and just wait and see what they say? Also, I don't know my weight, and I don't want to know because that fucks up my mind as well. So do I fill in the way or do I just say, look, I'm sorry, I don't want to fill that in because I don't feel it's relevant. What do I do? Why do people equate weight with health? I am so much more healthier now. I'm not weight cycling. I'm not constantly worried about what I'm eating. You know, how can I? I just don't know how to take this, like whether I'm going to make things harder by not telling them my weight. So any advice you could give me? anyone out there or just I don't know I've been going on for two and a half minutes now thank you for listening and I look forward to hearing from you farewell
Bronwyn, lovely to have you back in the room. Yes, listen, avid followers of my thirsty Instagram, Matt's got his fat, will know I very much like to be the fat moving person because I just love what it does to the brain, the respite that it gives me, um, the letters that I now have attributed to my name. It really does help with slowing down some of those processes. And it's so interesting because being a fat body in a sort of gym space, being a fat body that talks about moving, the assumption always is, as you say, Bronwyn, that you want to lose weight, you are unhappy with your body. The difficulty that I often find is, is that, like, yeah, we may not be wanting to change our bodies, but the relationship with our body can change on a daily basis. You know, I can sit in front of you today and be like, I like myself, I like my body, but living under capitalism with beauty ideals, with the violence that is um, thrown at me on a daily and a weekly basis means that that can really disrupt that headspace. And so trying to hold on to that um, space of indifference is really difficult. And I think that's what you're sort of getting at here, Bronwyn, is like trying to be body neutral, trying to just be like, there are things that I'd like my body to do. I'm just trying to find injury recovery. Now, there is something here that I want to say about from working with circus artists, which have really changed my relationship with when uh, what I used to call when my body fails me. Now, circus artists the whole time have got injuries or tears or knots, and they do so much training to understand how to listen to their body. And I learned so much from being with them about injury recovery. And just like how all bodies have like an extent that they're willing to go to. Do you know what I mean? Like, because I would feel like, oh my God, my fat body is like letting me down. When actually, these people are just as achy, have just as much injury. And so I learned things about like ibuprofen cream. There's a gift from me to you. If you can get some, please do. Strapping is also steady, is also a really good one where you can get a sports physio person to strap your ankle. And essentially what it does is, I I believe, if there are any sports scientists listening to this, please do let me know and clarify or or call up where it can hold the muscle and the the joint into the right sort of place whilst your body's sort of recovering and mending. Because the body's great. It will fucking do loads of things for you. Do you know what I mean? But it just needs a bit of support. When we're talking here about weight and why they might be asking, there is part of me that wants to say, let's have a neutral relationship with it. It is a number. And perhaps they want this from a point of view. I'm Look, I'm trying to see, fucking see the best of them. I know it's a fucking lie. But some people that I've navigated within like sports science or th- physios, they literally just want to know the number because then they'll know what sort of strapping to use or they just want to kind of work out your gait, etc. It's really okay for you not to fill out that number. Give back the form and say, you could find out my number if you want to weigh me. I don't want to. I'm prefacing this by saying I've lived with eating disorders, etc. My mum has had to do this quite a lot, being post-cancer. Mums live with eating disorders and disordered eating for most of my life, and if not, most of hers. And explicitly told the nurse, I don't want to know because of this. And the nurse was like, oh, thanks for telling me, because I was about to tell you. So it's... It's difficult. It's clumsy. The system's clumsy. But you don't have to fill out anything that you don't want to. You don't have to do that. And if 
They're saying that you do have to do that. They can find that information out for themselves or you could ask them why. And I think sometimes we do really need to advocate for ourselves. And that's different from being awkward, right? Because there's ways of doing it. You can be a knobhead to someone in the medical system who, particularly in this country, doesn't fucking need that attitude. But you can push back and you can say, this isn't right for me because. Anyway, other people that might be listening to this Bromwin may have other thoughts. They might want to chime in. There might be people within the medical system who can shine a light on some of this other stuff. There might be some people who have experienced this themselves who might be able to offer some support. So you know what to do. The number's coming up in a little bit. And that feels like a good moment to have a bit of a breather, but don't go anywhere, because still to come, saucy language lessons, the patron saint of ice skating, and Pauline Quirk. I really hope that's the real Pauline Quirk. I might lose my fucking shit. Anyway, this week over on Patreon, I'm talking to the wonderful Holly from Montreal, now based Montreal. I don't know why I said Montreal that <laughs> way, about how being an English speaker in Quebec marks out Holly as the oppressor. It's a great chat. Um, plus, there's also show notes and gossip over there as ever. Big thanks um, to the gang over there, especially to Ren and Eames, who joined the party this week, patreon.com forward slash after the tone, if you want to join in on the VIP lounge. Now, listen, we could be off air for a few weeks and just because we're not pushing out some episodes, it doesn't mean that we don't want to hear from you or that we don't need your calls. So open up the WhatsApp, send me a little voice note about anything that you're doing, something that you're thinking or feeling to this number. 0788 it doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost. It's just for fun. And, you know, we're heading into those dark months. So if you've pooed yourself, if you've had a mishap whilst trying to get your leg over, or if you've got a controversial tea story, you know what to do. Share them with the room because a little bit of laughter goes a long way. Uh, remember, you can follow us on the Twitter and Instagram too, at After the Tone POD, just like Laura did, who told us that they are handing in their notice today. Round of applause, please. I hope that the journey ahead of you, Laura, is much fun. Right, let's get back to the party. Hi, Scotty, Tim, Kat, Maya, producer Deb, everyone at the podcast, everyone in the pub. I just had to come in to say to Stevie, who is uh, going to be changing their name, hopefully to Stevie, that the moment I heard that they were thinking of calling themselves Stevie, I was like, you sound like a Stevie. Like, yes, I, I... I really do encourage people to go for the names that they want. Oh, it's Small Fat Ren, by the way. And Ren is uh, a name that I chose. So, big advocate. <laughs> Hi, Small Fat Ren again. Um, I realised that I said uh, that they sounded like a Stevie and I didn't really elaborate on that. I just mean like that sort of like cool, like <laughs> kind of like, you sound like you'd be in a band and be like really sort of like sexy. I'm not flirting, I have a partner. They just sound cool, and I think Stevie's a cool name for a cool person. Small Fat Ren, lovely to have you back. Um, now, Stevie, yes, do people sound like their names? It's got me thinking, do I sound like a Scotty? <laughs> Am I opening up something there that I don't want to open up? Yes, I know what you mean. There can be a sort of cultural association with a name. Like, when I was a kid, all people called Zach were cool and that was largely because of Saved by the Bell so I wonder if you are being influenced by the Stevie Nicks Nick or Nicks is it plural is Stevie too <laughs> also just want to throw on the end here not flirting with you because I've got a partner very monogamous how dull how boring what do you mean 
I've got a partner. I can't flirt. Listen, I think people, even if people are in monogamous relationships, apparently they exist. I think you should be flirting with everybody. I always talk about this, actually. I talk about this idea in monogamy, which I find really interesting, that supposedly, and I'm not saying small fat rent, you, you know me, I like a tangent. I'm not saying this is you, but I'm going off on a tangent and, you know, either get on the ride or jump off. I find it quite interesting when I see partners who are quite clearly in relationships where they're not allowed to look at other people. They're not allowed to say, oh, I fancy this person. You know, this idea that you've got to be monosexual, like I only will ever look at you. I will not play with myself behind your back. You are the only person. It's quite, I find that quite bizarre. You are the only person I will ever look at in my whole entire life with my eyes. That's quite weird, isn't it? I think we should embrace our sexuality if, if we are sexual people. You know, there are non-sexual, demisexual, asexual, aromantic, etc. people out there who may not be feeling the same. But I think you, if you are in a sexual relationship with someone, I think, you know, the desire to look at other people, I think it's a healthy thing. Discuss them. Am I right or am I wrong? Hi, Scotty. I'm Patrice and the whole big after the toad family um i wanted to share a little story with you today about my mum um sorry i hope it's not too loud here um my mum unfortunately died earlier this year a couple of months ago and um at the age of 60 it was all quite sudden and (laughs) really shit um, but one of the nice things that's come out of this really shit situation is that people have been sharing stories about my mum that I never knew and this one really made me think <laughs> I think you'd really enjoy it um, so my mum was raised Catholic her dad was Irish so she grew up in a very Irish Catholic household she went to a Catholic school and um, she got told when she was a kid that she had to um, have her confirmation. She was absolutely fuming about this, really angry. And um, she said to her dad, like, do I really have to do it? And he said, yes. So she decided if she was going to have to do it, she was going to choose the most ridiculous name that she could think of. So <laughs> she dragged my auntie off to the library, who was her, her best friend at the time and is now my auntie, and um, made her look through all of the books of saints to find the ones with the silliest names that she thought she could get away with. And eventually settled on Saint Ludwina, who is the patron saint of ice skating <laughs> and the chronic Neil. And uh, Juliana, I can't remember what Juliana is the patron saint of. So um, that was it. She was Ludwina Juliana. And apparently during the ceremony, all the other girls had gone for like Mary, Catherine, whatever. And uh, the bishop got to her, her name. (laughs) His eyes like were bulging out of his head and he basically stuttered out the whole thing because he'd never had to read the names out loud before. (laughs) Um, But she got away with it. That was her official confirmation name. Anyway, 
I, I think that story really <laughs> sums up a lot about my mum's personality and uh, I thought I'd like to share it. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Jess, for calling up and giving us that. Yes, you know me. I love a patron saint. <laughs> there is something that I just want to mark here, which is when people go and we're left and um, we share a story, I feel like we're sharing bits of gold with each other. And so thank you so much for, you know, allowing us in on that, because I think these moments are very precious. So thank you for that. Now, patron saint Lidwina and Juliana. Let's look up what patron saint Juliana did. Probably nothing, like the rest of them. (laughs) Saint Juliana. Oh, here we go. Oh, I'll tell you what, I've got a great story about Saint Bernadette. I'll tell you that in a minute. Saint Juliana of Nicomedia is said to have been suffered Christian martyrdom uh, during the persecution of 304 in the Middle Ages. Now, what are you the patron saint of? That's all I give a shit. I don't care how you died. (laughs) Patron saint of sickness. I love that your mum went for Lidwina, which he said was ice skating and sickness as well. There's a morbidity to those, which I really quite enjoy. Now, I'm going to look up, which I, I mean, if I was allowed to have taken a saint's name who we're told identified as a woman, I would have chosen St. Bernadette because I love the name Bernadette. But I looked this up recently. My God, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with like looking up saint's names. But St. Bernadette... It's quite weird, (laughs) okay, because essentially, as I recall it, she was a nun, like, she died, you know, being holy and all of that. And then they exhumed her body 40 years later just to sort of make sure that she was a saint. And apparently she was still, like, all together. Like, the cross had all disintegrated, but it was like the day that she was buried. So they canonised her and thought, well, she's definitely a saint. And But they've dug her up about three times afterwards. I know, sorry, I know this is really grim, but this is Catholic history for you. They keep digging her up to do things with her. Poor St. Bernadette. Yeah, so, yeah, there's that as well. I mean, do you think we could write to the Pope? I mean, is that who you, I mean, who gives out the saints? Can you just call yourself saint? I don't know. Do you think I could get one? Jesus, I've been looking after the needy for two years on this thing. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Tim, Kat and Maya and Debs and everyone at the pub. Um, I'm calling in. I've just been really enjoying the names chat. Um, and I thought I'd share. So my name is Jessie. Um, it's always been my name. And I've always quite liked it because I think it makes me sound like a cowboy. Um, but when I came out as trans mask, I decided, I was like, I like my name. I just don't, I want people to read it um, and to kind of like presume, not necessarily presume that I'm a woman. So I just took the I out. <laughs> so I'm still called Jessie. I just now spell it J-E-S-S-E. Um, and it feels nice because it's still, you know, it's like a continuity. Um, but also it feels like I've like chosen it and both of those things feel nice. Um, also, I met my best friend um, from when, I, when I was a kid, who I'm still really good mates with now. Um, we met in the sandpit in the park because both of our mums called Jessie and we're both called Jessie. And now she goes out with a guy who's called Jessie and his ex-girlfriend was also <laughs> called Jessie. So take from that what you will. <laughs> And yeah, and then also I was enjoying the um, the like foreign what can you say in other languages chat, 
and I you ask for like sexy words and I speak French and my favorite word is fess like de fess like your which kind of means like your thighs but it also kind of means like just the top bits of your thighs and like the beginning of your bum which is just like quite a sexy area <laughs> to grab hold of and to like talk about um so that's my fun sexy French word for you okay bye Oh, Jesse, this is really reminds me of when I was a kid. I was uh, at a paddling pool with my mum, as we would often do in the summer. Mum took me up and we'd have sandwiches, do you know what I mean? Oh, just beautiful memories. And um, my mum was calling me and another child kept on turning around. And because we were both called Scott. And um, from that, a beautiful friendship emerged between my mum and his mum and we were just always put together and I used to think he was so modern because his mum like allowed him to have like a kitchen set up do you know what I mean so he would he would have like multi-gendered toys I think we would have called it back in the day like had an iron and things and I was in my fucking element I was like I want to play in the fucking kitchen and the iron and uh yeah like um unfortunately Sharon passed away his mum a long time ago uh when we were in our teens and uh, I I never knew what happened to Scott, but it was that strange thing that because we both had the same name and our mums, um, like, f- like really got on with each other. They were both fat women who come from a sort of similar background that we just like really hit it off. Oh, bless. It's amazing what a memory can do, isn't it? Now, I'm just going to say there was a fucking gale force wind blowing where you were. Now, listen, people, if you are listening to this, we love getting your calls, but do just try to make sure they haven't, like, you know how in the middle of a fucking tornado while she's trying to record it or you've got a couple of spanners in a tumble dryer behind you, okay? (laughs) Just a couple of little notes there from me about recording. Thank you very much. Hi, Scotty. This is Ira from Belgium calling from my bed. Um, I'm going to learn you how to say something filthy that sounds cute and how to say something cute that sounds very filthy. Um, First up, in Hungarian, a friend of mine had a Hungarian girlfriend and we went to visit a lot about 15 years ago. And um, when she called her friends... She used to, um, when she ended the call, she would say, see a pussy. And I was a bit taken aback because I thought, is it is it webcam? <laughs> How does this work? Um, but apparently, uh, see a is Hungarian for bye-bye. And pussy is Hungarian for a kiss. So it's actually something really, really kind and sweet to say. I see you. Kiss, kiss. Bye. But to me... Um, it sounded like everyone on the street was saying, I see your pussy. Um, now we're going over to Sweden. I had a friend who studied Swedish and she was uh, kind enough to learn me one sentence of Swedish, which I have drunkenly actually used <laughs> here in Ghent on a couple of Swedes before. Um and the sentence is your head in stoerstake, which means so much as I have a big stick, but you know, uh, they don't think I actually have a stick on me if I tell it to them, if you know what I mean. 
So, um, yeah, that's your language lesson for today. Uh, feliz cumpleaños. Please make another two years of this. Bye. <laughs> Muchas gracias para el uh, cumpleaños um, mensaje. <laughs> My Spanish. I literally just said thanks for the birthday message. <laughs> Honestly, I am so sorry, but I am really trying my hardest at learning. And it's so interesting about like trying to learn a language as an adult. Oh my God, my brain, just trying to reprogram my brain to a whole different set of rules. I mean, some might say I haven't managed to work out the rules of the English language, but you know, I'm quite enjoying it because it's using a different part of my brain. And there's part of me which just thinks, because I really like going to Spanish-speaking countries, I think the less ignorant that I can be, the better. And the more I give it a go, you know, some of it will stick and some of it might not. I really love this language lesson, something that I've loved through touring and making work in uh, Central Europe has been, you'll go to a place like maybe being in Switzerland or in Belgium, where people will just flip from different language uses really easily. Like they'll go from Swiss German to Swiss French to then speaking to you in English so that you can understand. And I find that headspace so beautiful. And it's, it is very particular to much more in sort of Central Europe um, art making spaces where people are just really able to flip that side of their brain and go into a different language. I am in such awe of it. Perhaps you grew up in a multilingual household. I've got friends that uh, are raising their children in both a English and Japanese speaking household, which has meant that their children have been non-verbal for a long time. But then once they start to verbalise things, they start to verbalise in both languages. And perhaps you grew up in that environment as well. And I'd be really interested in sort of knowing about that. You know, my friend who is a very well-known comic, I will not mention their name, but they are able to dream in their home language, their mother tongue, but they'll wake up processing that dream in English. Any of those sort of stories, I'd be really interested to hear. Hi, Scotty and the ATC crew and everyone in the pub. Um, you asked for some celeb gossip, I'm the library Irish name person, by the way. Don't have a nickname, but that's okay. Uh, celebrity gas. Well, Pauline Quirk of Birds of a Feather fame once gave some child's clothes to my auntie to be passed on to other children. Apparently, we were related in some way. I don't know. Sorry, you cannot walk into this room and say the, 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 the sorry, I have to, just got to put my teeth in here because I'm very excited by this. For our international listeners who may not understand who Pauline Quirk is, Pauline Quirk for my generation was like the fat person on the television. And also the fat common person on the television and comes from like two minutes from down the road where Deb's from. Is that right, Deb's? And like five minutes over the way from where I'm from. So it's, you know, like to have like somebody <laughs> like that on the telly, particularly growing up, kind of who felt sort of similar to my mum, you know, like very warm, caring, common um, and a fat person. It was just like, you know... A, 
it's a very niche intersection and to, to find it. So Pauline Quirk to me, Dame Pauline Quirk, if I was ever to believe in any of that business, um, absolutely beautiful. I, I think you'll find Pauline Quirk actually does not just come from the Birds of a Feather fame, the television programme that she's most known for, but also the Pauline Quirk Academy of Performing Arts. You can't come in here and say the claim to fame is that she once passed some clothes on through you when I think the big story here is that you're potentially related. I'm trying to think if I'm related to anybody famous. No, I think the the most famous person I felt like I was related to was when my grandfather, probably like in the last five years of his life, after me being queer in his life for a very long time, decides to announce that my cousin Barney, who's in his 60s, lives with his male partner, is a gay farmer. And I was like, why did nobody think that this would be a useful thing for my brain? (laughs) And I've never met. I, I, I don't know how to track this person down. But in my brain family celebrity anybody else got famous or vaguely famous people has anybody else in your family been on like a quiz show or anything like that i love these tenuous links and that's all we've got time for remember next week is the closing party so final calls to the burner phone please remember it's my party so make that birthday themed thanks for everybody who shared last week's episode on their socials on their stories in tweets etc it means the world to us at after the tone pod keep smiling we'll see you next week and in the words of Ira from belgium see ya pussy <laughs> After the Tone is presented by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Colbride, vice producer Tim Bano, assistant producer Maya Miller-Lewis, digital producer Capril. After the Tone is a Debbie production. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.